0: You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it says off the start, this is Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Next week on 24-7, I'm going to have my third mock draft of the year. Check it out. It is always an extremely popular piece. The top 52 players in the draft, by my view, are currently up. I have a piece on the Carter Stewart situation, which i will discuss later on in the podcast. And I have the full count trends one of the last ones of the year. So on today's show, we're going to spend the first half talking about the game today uh, and just the team in general at this point. And then the second half of the show, we will spend some time diving into the Akron Upper Ducks. And then I'll end talking about the Carter Stewart situation and how I think it does relate to the Indians. Cleveland lost again today. Another bad performance all around, a 72 loss. Oakland came into the series three games under 500. They are now 500. Cleveland came in after taking three out of four from Baltimore, and they are now 25 and 23. Uh, Rodriguez had a start more in line with what we saw when he was pitching with the Washington Nationals. At some point, we knew the fact that he's not missing bats was going to come back to haunt him. Five runs, four earned, three Ks, gave up a long ball. The first inning went, right, let me get the exact layout here. You know, if you missed it, in the first inning, the uh, Oakland Athletics put two on the board and didn't even record a single hit in the inning. That's right. They got on the board without making contact. It. I mean, it was just embarrassing. Here we go. It is a walk, a fly-out, a walk, a walk, fielder's choice, error, sack, fly, ground-out. So three walks and a error led to a run. Uh, eventually a solo shot to, to Nick Hundley, the catcher, and from there things were off and running for the A's who put up seven runs. When you look at their performance, nice balance throughout their lineup. Most damage was done by Hunley, their catcher and number nine hitter. The Indians, Bowers hits his fifth home run of the year. He collects the only two RBIs for the Indians. Santana gets a double, gets two walks. Frankie Lindor continues to hit with two hits, two walks. Kipnis is still not performing. Jose Ramirez is massively scuffling. Freeman has two more walks. His walk rate this year is just, I don't know what to make of him, uh, We'll see. I mean, I I complained about his addition earlier in the year, but frankly, he's been okay, Uh, especially when you look at him compared to some of the other players on this team. Oscar Mercado is doing about what I expected. He's got about a league average on-base percentage, a below-league average slugging. Martin is, again, cooling off significantly, and Kevin P has been not good after there was a point in time where you can go back and listen to one of the podcasts where he was arguably the second most effective hitter on the Indians, and I must have jinxed him because he promptly fell apart, hoping that we will see a lot more Eric Haas. Before the game today, Haas was called up, and the team let go of Carlos Gonzalez. Now, I talked about on last night's podcast how he, Carlos Gonzalez, you could expect a kid straight up from a ball to do what he was doing, but I don't get if he is so close to being cut. Why was he your cleanup hitter? I do not understand what is going on between the front office and Tito I don't understand Tito's decisions Kipnis in the two hole Ramirez in the five those guys right now with the way they are performing Kipnis has surprised me at points but he's still not shouldn't be your two hole hitter frankly with Mercado's speed um, and his at least league average on base I would put Mercado one Lindor two Santana three and then go from there if you're facing a lefty, Luplo should definitely then be your four hitter. There's a lot of debate about what could happen, but I think um, one thing that stands out is I think Tito has done a pretty horrible job this year. in terms of, He's never been great at lineup construction, but uh, it's extremely bad this year. And then when you go back to his handling of Yandi and some of the other issues with him, for as much as he talks about youth and young players, he's been so staunchly opposed to them. And when he was really successful in those World Series, those were free agent, vet-heavy teams. I don't know if the Indians, with what they're going forward with, and as this team is going to get progressively younger, if this is the right guy for them, and for an analytically smart team, uh, front office Tito is not using those in the lineup construction. He's not using those in pitch usage. He's not using any of that knowledge. And last year when they got eliminated from the playoffs, that was the big complaint that it felt like the Astros were better prepared and they knew more stuff. The Indians have always been a cutting-edge analytical team. Is it that the front office isn't doing as much, or is it that they have a manager who isn't interested? And like I said, uh, Tito is a big name, but I Don't know how since that World Series he just has not been as effective in my opinion. So we saw in the game after Rodrigo's uh, tarot comes in, gives up another run. Clippard gives up another run. Both those guys. Uh, last two outings have given up runs. Tyler Olson pitches two innings, pitches quite well. Frankie Montas—it was took a while for Oakland to develop, but he has been nails for them this year. Fernando Rodney was really the only guy the Indians were able to get to with any type uh, to get some runs on the board. And at the end of the day, Cleveland, after gaining some ground, they sit back and lose some ground because of their performance against Oakland. Again, this is an Oakland team that just got to five hundred. And they are 5 for 6 against the Indians. They have won 5 out of the 6 matchups they've had in the early season. Uh, it's a 25-win team. Uh, they're 20 and uh, 24 if you get rid of the Indians game. So they are just teeing off in the Indians. The Indians are facing Tampa next. It is only going to get more difficult. Um, we get to watch and look at Yandy and his performance this year and just wonder what if. But uh yeah, it's it's going to get tougher and then it will even out, but it's not going to be it's going to be rough till June. That's pretty much the setup for it. This team you know, we are almost through May. I think it's safe to say I don't see a playoff team right now. I don't know how you can look at this team and think, "Yes, this is a playoff team." your top two pitchers to start the year one got hurt and was ineffective before his injury the second has been extremely inconsistent this year and is on the verge of one of his worst years over the last three years your third pitcher has been getting hit very hard and is not quite the same level he was a year ago your fourth pitcher looked really good until he got hurt and your fifth pitcher has been fantastic Um, you're almost at this point, look at this team and you're like, okay, so we'll just flip this rotation. And that's what it could be if they were to make it to the playoffs. But three fifths of your rotation is a disappointment. And you could argue four fifths due to injury your lineup. Uh, you have an MVP candidate hitting like a, if he was not, you know, if he was older, I mean, he's basically hitting a little bit more than cargo. Um, I mean, that's not fair. He's hitting a lot more in Cargo. Cargo was just awful. Um, The whole signing of Cargo before they released him. I mean, when you look at a Cargo, a Hanley Ramirez, when you sign those guys, you're basically hoping for the proverbial dead cat bounce. You're looking at this player and going, maybe there's one more year left. Sometimes people bounce back for one year in their 30s. It's kind of what happened when Juan Gonzalez was with Cleveland in the 90s. He had that one year and then was never the same. So they were hoping for a dead cat bounce and didn't get one. So, uh, time for some sponsorship on today's show. We have Blue Chew is back. Uh, blue Chew is our sponsor. They will uh, help you when it comes to stuff in the bedroom. They are a little blue pill, but they are chewable. You can try it free. You just have to pay the 5 bucks for shipping. The promo code is MLB. That's BlueChew.com, promo code MLB. Uh, They decide to come back and give us another sponsorship, so that's really great, and I'm very appreciative to them. So if you've ever been curious, this is your chance to sate your curiosity for 5 bucks. That's nothing. Our other sponsor today is Uh, Hotels.com. I've used them. I can speak to them. They make money by saving you money. If you're not saving money, you're not going to go to your site and use them. They link you from their site to the best options, and that's their business. Saving you money so you'll go back. If they don't save you money, you're not going back. They're not making more money. Their whole business model is based off of good things for you, which is always something that is a positive. Hotels.com So we're back from the ad break, and I want to, uh, again, remind everyone, subscriptions help us a lot. Um, If you're using the Himalaya app, Google Play, iTunes, subscriptions, reviews, this is all big stuff we need could use a little more help on that we've kind of stagnated a bit so please tell a friend oh download daily uh even if you're like oh I may not be able to listen to it download and delete that's that's helpful as well so we already kind of talked about the Indians and their setup I talked about the pitching staff the bullpen has actually been fantastic which I thought was going to be a real weakness hitting wise Santana has been better than anyone can hope Lindor, after his early struggles, has been fantastic. Problem is every other spot on the team. Roberto Perez has had some ups and downs, but his power output this year, if you extend and look at it, he's potentially a 20 home run guy at the catching position. He's fallen into some bad luck and the injury doesn't help, obviously. But there were some things to like and he was progressively getting better. Jordan Luplow has been now that he's finally getting that extended look, has been a pleasant surprise. I am no longer ruining that deal. He has been an absolute killer to lefties. Uh, We'll see what Oscar Mercado can do. But so far, he's been slightly below league average. But for this team, that's great. (laughs) I was sitting there saying, put him number one in the lineup. Because slightly below league average is a top three hitter on this Indians team. Uh, Leonis Martin in center field. He is the defender he was advertised to be. He has hit for power this year, but he is selling out for power. He is just swinging for those fences. Uh, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. You wonder how much of this is him pushing for his free agent contract. He's never really gotten much of a deal. When the Tigers signed him, was off the scrap heap. He's kind of bounced around. He's never been that player who has cashed in, and that could be on his mind. But he has been an acceptable addition to the team. I'm not complaining about Martin rest of the lineup, uh, the DH position and left field, let's just combine them because they've kind of shifted. The whole washed up vet has not worked. Hanley Ramirez, Begat, Cargo. I am just waiting for Matt Kemp to be the next guy. Uh, it feels like it's just a matter of time as they try every washed up vet they can get their hands on because Tito wants vets from there. Uh, you know, that's been a huge disappointment and issue. Bowers has been all right. He's kind of been what it's advertised. He's been a productive player. He's not hugely productive. Uh, when you compare him against Yandi, it's a pretty ugly look, but I'm, I don't think anyone's really out there going, Jake Bowers, you're ruining the Indian season, because that's not the case. When you get into the infield, we talked about Santana and Lindor. I mean, two of the biggest issues on this team, outside of the fact that they've pretty much just thrown two near-dead bodies out there to, to cover DH first and then left field, is the fact that Jose Ramirez is, I mean, this is concerning at this point. I mean, it should be at least. I don't think there's anyone out there who can sit back and be like, eh, it's going to figure itself out. Because it's not just the fact that it's over two months this year. It's the fact that the playoffs last year in the last month and a half we're looking at his last four months of performance have been not just a, a league average bat not going from an mvp level talent to league average we are talking about going from mvp talent to replacement or below replacement level uh it's it's a big conundrum and you know there's been calls for the hitting coach who's been there for a long time um the n- nuance of it is you know does he get credit for the success and blame for the failure Something's not right there, and he his job is to figure that out, and that's something that needs to be worked on. And Jason Kipnis is Jason Kipnis. He's washed up three years ago. He's not an everyday starter. He'll have a good game here or there that kind of fools you, but you know he's playing an above average defense, and he's a below average bat, which is the reverse of his prime years where he was an above average bat and a below average defender um they're just playing out the line with him uh there is a zero point zero percent chance that they pick up his team option at the end of the year uh so this is just kipnis's last ride in cleveland um now a lot of people have been mad and talking about ownership needs to sell it's all the ownership's fault i'd still make the case whereas i do think ownership should be spending now because the fact is that uh when they do hit a rebuild and it is going to come sooner than later the salary and the payroll is going to drop they're still going to be getting most of their money from television they're really low in gate Um, yeah this is one of the worst teams in terms of attendance in baseball but most of the team's value and most of the money is coming from merchandising TV and from revenue sharing I think they should be spending now with the knowledge that we'll make a lot later when uh, this is a young team without all the contracts. And when we see the salary go down, but at the same time, I think it's really foolish for fans to think that we'll get a new owner, and they're going to spend, spend, spend. This is Cleveland. It's one of the smaller markets. When you look at things like market size, plus the uh, average income for the area, that's one of the smallest when you combine those two numbers, Cleveland's amongst one of the top three to four smallest markets in terms of income plus size. It's not a team that's ever going to be up there. And just about any team loses free agents. The Indians, um, that's always going to be the way. If they got a billionaire owner, Frankie Lindor is still leaving town. Like, that's not going to change anytime soon. It's just the unfortunate truth of baseball. Um, I want to see players get as much as they can. But as a Cleveland fan, there are times where you're like, man, salary cap would be relatively nice. And as long as we instituted a salary floor, maybe there's a way to make that work. Baseball, though, stayed the only uncapped sport, and I don't see that ever changing. But uh, yeah, it, it's. I understand fan frustration, but I don't think a new owner is going to fix everything. Look at, yes, Dan Gilbert won a championship in Cleveland and, spun, and spent like crazy, but he was also a bit of an embarrassment, and his meddling in the team over the past few years has uh, made the Cavs rebuild even longer. And Jimmy Haslam, as the other new owner in Cleveland, has been pretty much a joke from the moment he walked in. Mismanagement, uh, basically everything that could go wrong, he's done wrong. So a new owner is a guarantee of nothing. Uh, Who knows what we could get? You could get someone who's going to spend even less. You could get someone who wants to, to make as much money as possible off of it. You could get someone who just... Is going to view it as a, a net sum game, and there's a lot of ways that this could be worse than it is better. The front office has been extremely effective, it's the uh, you know, for, from this front office, so many other thr- front offices have come, and I don't have issues with the front office itself. And if you get a new owner, good chance that they want to get their own people in, and very quickly, you'll see that uh. All these people from Cleveland getting jobs, even though if they were let go, that's just going to be the way of it. So yes, it'd be nice to get someone who is not afraid and could spend a little more. Don't get me wrong. I wish that would happen too. But don't just assume that's going to happen. And don't just assume the next owner is going to be better. Because as we've seen with the Browns in particular, uh, it's not. Uh, there were people who really, really badly wanted Lerner to sell. And I can't see any way that uh, you could view Haslam as a better Owner than Lerner was because at least Lerner just kept his head down and let people run the team now we're not going to get the Carter Stewart situation today that'll sit on the back burner and we'll get to that tomorrow instead I'm going to have us go into the Akron rubber ducks we're going to do kind of how I've done this week look at some numbers and I'll tell you who I think the top five prospects currently on that team are so the rubber ducks are, have an interesting mix of players there are some developed and drafted players there are some ones they've gotten through trades the biggest name to start the year is probably Sam Henke's the pitcher after a really rough start he started to turn it around we're seeing a better performance my concern always with a guy like him is his size he has gotten bigger he's a big kid when drafted and at 6 foot 8 that's the mechanics on guys like that it's typically now it's a family show so we'll say it's typically a poop show uh we'll see how it goes but he is adjusting right now and it is a very positive development. Eli Morgan in his two starts has gone just ten in a third innings, continuing to miss bats. Uh his walk rate's up a little bit. We'll see how it continues to go. But with him there, Kyle Nelson, the lefty reliever, has had some points where he's looked really where he's looked really good. Uh Daniel Johnson and Andrew Montestario were the other two pieces in that Jan Gomes deal, which Right now, is looking like maybe the best move they made this off season. Connor maribel Logan Ice, Mitch luongo these are guys who are either high picks or high performers so far in the minors. When you're looking just purely statistically through this, Daniel Johnson's nine home runs stand out for this team. It's a hard park to hit for power. His calling card has been that power potential. He's still walking over ten percent of the time. His strikeout rate is twenty-two percent. He's performing, and he has the tools to be a you know, above average to plus defender in right field. If he can hit for power and walk, that's going to be an above average starter. Uh, mentioned Connor Maribel, repeating the level. It hasn't been an ideal time for him. Mitch Luongo has looked good in his limited games, there has been some injuries, 19 games for him. But he was hitting. Uh, good average, good walk rate showing some potential as maybe a fourth outfielder maybe someone who could be a platoon outfielder since he uh he's a left-handed bat you're mostly going to face right handers so there is some value in that mentioned monasterio he uh he also got hurt we've only got 15 games last year he was known for just a ridiculously high walk rate we haven't seen that so far this year for him Uh, ernie clement has also dealt with injuries and then the pitching staff you have someone like rob kaminsky who's trying to make it back after he was this former first round pick and a former top 100 prospect as a reliever now nick sandlin who was the second round pick a year ago who has been absolutely filthy this year so he also had some injuries to start the year he's had 11 relief appearances for 12 innings he's got 19 strikeouts and six walks uh, thir- over 13.5 strikeouts per nine so when you look at Sanlin, you look at what Karen Chalk was doing before he got caught up. Those are two pitchers who could very conceivably help the Indians this year who have been just devastating out of the pen. Looking at this current roster, what would I rank or who who would I rank, I should say, as the top five prospects currently in Akron? Unlike yesterday's list, this is a bit harder. If I'm just starting out, there are names that I'd, I'd want to put. So Eli Morgan is going to be in there. Sam Henkes is going to be in there. Uh, Daniel Johnson's going to be in there. Ernie Clement's going to be in there. So those are the first four that really come to mind for me for this team and the players I kind of view as those top-shelf prospects. And then the fifth guy at this point, just amongst what I'm looking at things, would be Nick Sandlin, the second-round pick. I would put Sandlin at your five spot just because relievers – I mean, the game is changing, but there's inherently a little less value. Sandlin's walk rate is uh, rising this year, and that can be an issue. He's also likely going to be more of a right-handed specialist in the future. That puts him at 5 on this team for prospects. i probably put Ernie Clement 4. Uh, he can be a middle infielder. He's a good defender, but he, he's all utility all the way to me. There's no power. He avoids a strikeout. He can walk some, but I don't see a future starter but i think he could be a very good backup eli morgan i would put at three right now though it's it's tight the thing with morgan is i think likely he ends up in the pen um we're seeing that walk rate go up because he it's a it's short sample size so we'll see if it continues But b he could live on the corners before. He could get guys to swing at things you're just not going to get when you're in double-A. He's always been kind of the old guy at the level. He's been extremely developed, extremely crafty, and he was able to dominate for those reasons. So we'll see what happens in double-A. I still think long-term pen arm. Uh, I'd put Henkes at two. You know, he's a big lefty with big stuff. I Again, I just worry about the mechanics, and there has been mechanical issues and injury issues in the past. And then Daniel Johnson's the number one prospect in double day to me right now. His, uh, his tool set, he can basically, he's a four-tool player. The problem is the hit tool is what you need to be able to access a lot of those other offensive tools. But there's enough there that uh, he looks like he has a very good chance to be this team's future right fielder. Went long again today. Um, apologize for that. I want to remind everyone to uh, subscribe on Himalaya, iTunes, Google Play, whatever you use. Thank you for listening, and as always, Go Tribe!